Hey everybody, back to part two. Sorry, we went, we went 60 minutes on part one. We I don't know if we'll go this long on part two, but um, like I said, we haven't done a podcast in a long time. We've been talking about doing this, and uh, let's get back to the Whigs. Yeah, I had ancestors that were Republicans before they knew it. They they were Whigs. Yes, the Republican Party was founded in like Wisconsin in the eighteen fifty four. Eighteen fifty four. Southern Wisconsin. Yeah, which is you know basically six years before the eighteen sixty election. Uh, but a, a lot of Whigs switched over because, of course, the Whig Party wouldn't take a stand on slavery. On slavery. They wouldn't take a stand on. It. And those radical Republicans, those radical Republicans, well, you know, it's it's almost kind of maybe lining up the same way we have things going on today. But Theo's got some more he wants to add here. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I really do believe that some of these presidential candidates are, are playing with fire here going up against Trump. I know that they're, they're looking at it and they're like, hey. You know, he may be sitting in a jail cell. He may be charged with seditious treason, which is, I think, one of the charges. I think Trump's going to get charged on some January 6th stuff. I think they're going to try to tie the Proud Boys into him. And they really hammered those Proud Boys with those seditious treason uh, uh, sentences. Uh, but, you know, and, and they're going to say, well, this law prevents you from doing that and that law prevents you from doing that. But a strict constitutionalist is going to look at the Constitution of the United States and what do you really have to be? You have to be a natural-born citizen. you got to be 35 years old. you got, you got to still be a citizen of the United States. And you're good to go to run for president. You could be in a jail cell. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, uh, this thing... The only way they can get him is using a Civil War era... Is it constitutional amendment? I believe it is. I forget exactly what it is, but it was to prevent the um, well the well, Confederates to run as president in prevents, place. It prevents through treason. It prevents the Confederate generals from ever running for political office. That's what that law did. And then basically, the stuff that they're trying to go after him down in Florida on is actually the Woodrow Wilson. Another horrific president that got us into a very bloody conflict, but Woodrow, and probably a guy that if he'd have tried halfway decently, maybe could have brokered the deal and stopped it all. I always wondered if Teddy Roosevelt would have been president in 1914 if he could have kept everybody from from going nuts. But Woodrow Wilson put like two to three thousand German Americans in jail. On this law that was passed that then came back and said, no, they really shouldn't have put him into jail. Um, yeah. He imprisoned a lot of people who are critical of the government and the war. Because uh, a lot of American people at the time said, I don't want to go to war. You know, We should stay out of this. The isolationist types. But he jailed them. And he also went after a lot of congressmen through the three-letter three agencies that he created. He is the grandfather of the fourth branch of governments. And then Woodrow Wilson brought the income tax and the IRS into existence. He believed that the that the our, our founding fathers were wrong. We it's we're in different times now. We have the industrial era that 
when they put this thing together back in the 1770s, 1780s, we're in a different time now. Much like people say, well, we have all this technology. We're in this modern era. We don't need what was going on over 200 years ago. Woodrow Wilson thought thought the same thing, thought that the Constitutional was a living document, that we have too many damn elections electing things, deciding, and we need to have a government that can be more... Not necessarily spontaneous. All they got to do is shut the internet down. Your phone quit working. Your TV quits working. They're talking about getting rid of AM radio because the the, the electric cars, you know, jam the signal. Um, the AM radio is like the citizens' band to keep you informed when the Russians were nuking you in the 1950s. Um, you know, I mean... That that the, when you when when you look at what they can do to shut this whole thing down, how many people have a landline anymore? I mean, how how are you going to communicate with people if your cell phone doesn't work? And I know people are saying, "Oh, I'm going to get a satellite phone, and I'm going to be able to to work on a satellite phone." Well, you got to find one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, CB radios, boys. They, yeah. they're they're hard to come by. Yeah. I don't think any of us know how to use a period pigeon. Yeah, period pigeon. Period pigeon. Yeah. But the the, uh, the the satellite phones, I mean, they're going to be shooting satellites out of the sky if we really get into a big one. Oh, I, I just, oh, well, I digress. And, and I tell you what, you got a planner without markers, and you're going to depend on all this technology, and we're shooting satellites oh, 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 out of the sky. Hold on, hold on. That technology is telling us how much moisture is in the ground, how much depth we can put the seed. It's telling us literally everything that's going on, and we don't have to do anything. Just push buttons on the tractor. How the hell would we not want that? <laughs> Come on. It's all done for us. It's so easy. We're in a modern era, folks. Get with the times. Yeah, and, and, and we're not making fun of the technology, and we're not trashing anybody that uses all the technology. It's just – and I tell you what, this Ukrainian thing – um, it sure looks like to me this we're back to World War One, where the defense wins more than the offense does, and that's that's a that's a mean ugly deal, and it's hard to end until you figure out. It wasn't until 1918 when the British Army and well the Canadians and the Australians figured out combined arms and used. Artillery, along with tanks, along with airplanes, along with infantry tactics, that they and broke the Germans, and partly because the Germans were starving to death. Which, you know, the American farmer, we can feed the world if we have access to the mm-hmm. world. But I'm going to turn it back over to Theo. He's got some more he wants to add on to this presidential. Because um, I, I just think a lot of people haven't thought a lot of this through and seeing where this is all going to end up. All right, here's how you want to win. This is not necessarily hopium. This isn't just defeatism. It's, 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 it's the unknown. This is how the Democrats are playing the game, and this is how the Republicans need to play the game that we currently are not at. As I said before early on, we're still thinking that this is a personality debate. Who's the better presenter, talker, or whatnot? It's all about a machine of an election. How many Not votes, not how many people can you walk to an election polling place. How many ballots can you put in a box that is counted? That's all that matters. How many ballots? It's math. It also comes down to the margins. When Joe Biden won in 2020, 
It was all in every single in, in all the states that mattered that I already said Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, and a few others, like even over in Pennsylvania and Virginia. Well, mainly Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona. He he lost them by under a percent. It's the margins, people. And how you do that is just do what the Democrats are already doing. Let's talk about what they put in advertisement. They put focus advertisement on certain people who, who attach more to either gun issues, abortion issues, or voting rights, LGBT. They micro-target those people, and that costs money. A big thing is they have boots on the ground to ballot harvest and ballot chase. It's different things. Ballot harvest is where you can go out, pick up people ballots, people's ballots from their homes and take it places. Ballot chasing is when you send people out on the ground like you can do here in Illinois and hound them in, persistently talk to them and ask them, hey, have you uh, filled out this ballot? Here's the ballot. Uh, have you taken it over there? Oh, no, you haven't. Well, here, you can mail it in. Oh, if you haven't mailed it in, here, I'll take you where this is exactly where you can take it over to drop off in this drop box. They will hound them and hound them and hound them, and likely those people that Democrats have employed, they are paid quite a bit because I've experienced this down in Florida. People are paid quite a bit of money to do these pretty easily done jobs. There's a lot of layers to this, and I don't get into it because it's going to make you feel sick. But how this thing is run, you've got to spend a lot of money. You've got to get a lot of people in there to get those numbers, and the Republican Party is not doing that. Well, well, they say that we need to get all these focus groups, but they're spending their money somewhere well, else. Let's talk about ballot chasing in a state like Nevada. There's a whole bunch of people that belong to, I think it's a culinary union. Yeah. And to, and to work, at, to be a card dealer at, at the uh, blackjack table, to be running the crap table, to be working in any of the casinos, not just the food side and that, but to be, but to be the dealer and to, be, to do that. You have to belong to this union. And this union's pretty much a subsidiary of the Democratic Party. And they hound their workers into voting their ballots and turning them over to them so they can then deposit them in the boxes. Is that legal? Yeah, it's legal. It's legal. Pennsylvania, California, a few others, even though Pennsylvania's own laws goes against its own constitution, they're not going to do anything about it, nor is their state. Supreme Court can do anything about it. I'm going to tell you, you look through these elections for years, you come out of Philadelphia 600,000 votes down to the rest of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to win Pennsylvania, you got to figure out a way to get more than 600,000 votes positive in your direction outside of Philadelphia. I just got, you just got to do that. Um, the The... Well, I'll tell you a story. When I started when I started doing these, I worked a Senate campaign in 1996. And there was a nice lady. Back when Christ was young. Oh, yeah, he's telling you about how. <laughs> no, I've been doing this for a while. 1996, working on a Senate campaign, United States Senate campaign. Doing ag issues. But, you know, we did a lot of things and helped in a lot of rural areas and rode into Winnebago and went to a lot of places and made sure that when the Senate candidate showed up in certain towns, you may want to you may want to mention their great basketball tradition since they won the state tournament twice. You know, I mean, there's little things like that that that, that help just make things go so much better. Well, this lady goes, you got to understand, Bill. 
the ward alder, the ward aldermen, which the uh, the wards in Chicago have these aldermen, aldermen that are on the city council that have to well they fight with the city with the mayor of the city of Chicago to run things. But back at that time, Republicans could still win some ward races. But basically, what she said was this: it, in most elections, you got to get fifty percent plus one vote. If you're run, if you're a Republican running for ward alderman in the city of Chicago, you got to get fifty percent plus fifteen hundred plus one. And she said, if they know, and when she says they, if the Democrats know you can do that, they won't even play it, and you'll win going away because they're not going to play something that they're going to lose anyway, and they're not going to risk their apparatus and everything else. And that's one thing I think that happened in 2016. The Democrats had their machine cranked up. They just didn't. No, they didn't have their machine cranked up. They thought they had it. They thought they had it. They thought they had enough. They had, think they had it cranked up enough. And I think they were shocked at how many votes Donald J. Trump got in 16. And by the way, you know, he got more votes in 20, I think, than he did in 16. Oh, yeah, he did. But somehow Biden beat him but out. But somehow Biden got... More than Hillary did by a long shot. By a long, long shot. Yeah, and somehow he won that many votes without campaigning. Because he was in his basement. Well, let's talk about 95. Oh, the 95. The 95. Okay, I know. Somebody's going to get mad for me saying that. And and I struggle at times to, to speak coherently and to keep everything going and get it together. I get that. But I really, really, really... Worry. And, and, and I tell you what, I had an ag group ask me to go help them lobby down in Springfield uh, this spring, and I did. Yeah. But I was talking to some very, very progressive people, and I realized, oh, my land, it doesn't matter the facts, it doesn't matter what you say. They got it in their mind that the 96% have to punish the 4%. And I'm going to tell a bunch of you guys in agriculture, one, you're rich, and you're going to say, I don't make that much money. Yeah, but you got a lot of assets. Because on paper, you on are. On paper, you are. On paper, you are. You're male and you're white. You're, you're unforgivable. Yeah, unforgivable. You're on the re-education list. You're going to go to the. You're going to go during the Cultural Revolutions, out to the re-education camps. I mean, it's just going to happen. Um, and, and don't. And I mean, it's. I don't think that's going to happen in this country. But there's people that think like that, and it's 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 almost scary to me. And that, that's maybe one reason why I haven't done as many podcasts as I've been doing in the past. Is I'm thinking, and then I just said, you know what? You got Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, Russell Brand, even Bill Maher as Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson, the Truth Tellers. You got the Truth Tellers out there, and you know what? I just not. I I need to get back up off the bench, off the sidelines, and go back into it. And and if I got to take my medicine, I got to take my medicine. It's um, and, and I look at it this way: a lot, a lot of my ancestors, everything from my father to my great uncle. I had a great uncle that fought in the trenches in World War One. Never really did anything the rest of his life. And when I was a little kid, I always wondered why. And then I got a little older, and he had this big hump in his back. Well, he'd gotten gassed in the trenches in World War One. That's the reason he didn't really do anything. 
he he wasn't capable because he couldn't catch his breath because he'd been gassed in World War One in the trenches. Um, and I look at these people and I'm like, okay, if I'm not willing to get back into the fight and go, then then I I I just might as well hang it up. But I'm not going to hang it up. Um, but this thing and the, and Theo talked about it. We have a friendlier map than what we had because of reapportionment. And and I tell you what, you hear the Democrats talk about wanting to go to a whoever wins the popular election, all of our electoral college votes will go to that person. And we're going to get rid of the electoral college and everything because they see what's happening that states that they don't win are gaining population. States that they win are losing population. And they may not be losing population. They're just not growing as fast as the other states. And as, you know, you always got to wonder about the census numbers. I really wonder about the <laughs> census numbers. Because, you, you know, well, okay, my favorite, my favorite Joseph Stalin quote. Yes, I have a favorite Joseph Stalin quote. It's not who votes that matters. It's who counts the votes that matters. Well, I could say... In taking the census, it's not what the census really is. It's what they counted the census up to be and how we do these adjustments. Well, we miss these homeless people in this city, so we got to expand this population in this city by 100,000 people. Um, did we count them all or not? I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the census to me is actual people turning their census back in and saying, count me. And if you don't want to be counted, then why are we counting you? I mean, you and, they're, have, and they're going to say, okay, but I, I get it. But but I think they're seeing the, the, the map get more favorable to Republicans. And that scares the ever-living daylights out of them. And I really do believe they made the move on on Trump in 20. And, and Trump, he didn't play everything right in 20. We know that. It's But it's always easy... You had that pandemic going on, you know, and and you got you know Kennedy Kennedy going on about the um, um, jabs, about the vaccine, and I can say when it first started, when it first started, I was all shutting her down for two weeks to see what we had coming out of China, because this this was a thing coming out of China. This was probably a thing coming out of a bioweapons lab that somehow got loose into this wet market. I love the way they talk about, well, it's a wet market. That means the the creepy crawlers are still alive in the wet market, folks. You're taking them home and then butchering them there or throwing them in the pot while they're alive. Who knows? But it's a wet market. Um, yeah, just think about that. It's a wet market. I mean, I, I, I love the terminology. But... <clears throat> I was all for seeing what was going on. The problem was it kept going on and kept going on and kept going on. And once we knew, yeah, anybody with major health problems, anybody with a lot of age, anybody with a lot of other things. And, you know, my father that I was just talking about, he was 96 years old, got COVID, got COVID pretty bad, but he got over it. I mean... Hell, I don't know what's going to kill him. The Krauts couldn't kill him in World War II. I don't know what's going to get him now. But I digress. Back to Theo. There's a lot of things I could have jumped in there, but it's going to take me too long to fully explain all that. So I'm just like all scattered brain now where I wanted to go. 
that <laughs> that's how sometimes it just works out. But we can kind of start wrapping it up here because we're going to stop eventually. And I, I would highly recommend – there's a lot of books out there, but just so I'm not throwing a whole bunch of stuff at you. If you want to see what this could turn into, turn into bad, just read the great book, George Orwell's 1984. Fantastic book. And I, I'm going to – I listen, I listen to it once on Audible, and I'm going to listen to it again and again and again and again as many times as I possibly can. And remember, as, it's, as he's written in this book, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, and we've always been at war with East Asia. And always in alliance with Eurasia. Well, I was going to tell him about this book, too. <laughs> Look at the size of this thing. I know. It's only 24 so, hours on Audible. So do you want me to tell him this, too? So, okay, repeat again. George Orwell, 1984. We all love Big Brother. Don't worry, we'll all be taken to the Department of Love here pretty quick and re-educated. Anyways, um, fun stuff. And if you want to get your uh, entire education of World War II completely obliterated from however you're educated as me. And, and you have to remember, World War II is the monumental... Yes, we, we are jumping is, from is, one is, thing to another. ...is the monumental conflict that changed the world, and we're still dealing with those same things today. Uh, huge... Mm, Huge wars, like where the Roman Empire collapses, or Constantinople falls, or Genghis Khan dies. That is four and a half inches. That's tall. four and a half inches. Um, there's That's a four and a half inch tall book. There's a book called Stalin's War. It's by Mike McKeon uh, or Sean Sean McKeon. Sorry, I would I would recommend that you get it downloaded on Audible and listen to all twenty four hours of it. And pause at times and go, and, what the hell? Yes. Um, Why? But basically, it talks about how World War II worked out to the Soviet Union's advantage big time. I'm not talking about this because I will. it will take too It'll long. It will take you forever. But what I'm going to say is so another time the, the another continuous day. wars, the multiple wars, works out to the advantage of the state. It's a moneymaker. And it works out to the advantage here's, of the power of the state. Here's the thing. Here, we have the war on drugs, the war on... Um, poverty. Poverty, the war on, on terror. Terror, that stuff never ends. It, it's, it's undefinable. I mean, we're not going to war against a country. We're going to war against an entity, an idea. It doesn't have to end. The budgets can never end. They don't need to because we're still fighting it. The money will still roll in. The taxpayer dollars will still roll in. It's about the money. And it's always been about the money. When when George W. came up there and says, we, we're having this war on terror. I forget exactly what his quote was, but basically around this war on terror. The, the, the question was going to be asked, should have been asked, so when have we won? Well, we probably aren't supposed to win because are hey, you ever done with it? After the guys riding the horses, the Northern Alliance def was victorious. Did we declare victory? No. After we landed the jet on the airplane and declared victory, did we quit? No. And, and we're going to build a nation. I'm telling you. Oh, that's tough to do unless you're willing to to do what... 
the Mongols did. Um, and and we're not going to do that. Yeah, how do you want to win Afghanistan? Well, you compare the British Empire, the Soviet Union, and the American, as Charlie Kirk puts, puts it, the gay great American empire, conveniently, yes. gay. Um, you got to look at how Alexander the Great, the Heftalite Empire, the Mongols, the Gupta Turks, and a few other groups in there, how did they take out Afghanistan and the surrounding areas? Well, you just killed everybody that opposed you and probably, for good measure, killed every man at a certain height. And then you're, we, and then we you're were, done. And we, we were not going to do that. And Trump knew that, too. He was not... He knew we should. Of course, he 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 didn't have the choice. He, we were already in there to begin with. So what what do you do with the, the, that that horrible situation? You yeah, slowly we, worked your way out of it, and then gradually everything happens gradually, and then sometimes things happen no, prematurely. We, we abandoned. Well, billions I'm talking about of we we abandoned billions of dollars of equipment. We just leave yeah. in the middle of the night. And we leave we leave all the people that helped us there. And we but don't here's do the question: now the now the the Afghani's are fighting the Iranians. <laughs> And they both got Humvees from us. I mean, you got to love it. Think I mean, about that. That is so brilliant. If I was a CIA agent, like, okay, folks, we're going to let them take all these $89 billion worth of equipment. But here's the great thing. They'll destabilize everything around them and fight the Iranians. All right, we're good. We're pulling out. <laughs> no extra costs. We'll write it off as a tax write-off because of the loss. Oh. Okay, you can you can see what some of our conversations are around here, folks. But I... But don't get me okay. started with J or, or um, FDR and Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Okay. I will not stop. So how's this? Let's let's drag it back here. We got. Let's try How to get it done. Four minutes to agriculture. Agriculture is in a modern world. Agriculture trades all over the world. A lot of times, our exports is what determines how profitable we're going to be because it determines the prices. And we're looking at a slowly but surely more destabilized world, but we're also looking at a closer world, but we're also looking at a world where you you got a bunch of countries wanting to, wanting to trade in something other than the U.S. dollar. <clears throat> and I can tell you, there's a lot of rich people around the world watched us Rob the Russian oligarchs, and whether whether they're good people, bad people, whether they they got whether they got the money honestly, whether they got it illegally, I mean, whatever, it was still their money, and we literally just took it from them. And you got a lot of people in these other countries going, "Whoa, we may not want us to happen to them, so we maybe don't want to have U.S. dollars or tied into the into the Western banking system." The Great American Empire, okay? Yeah, yeah. And and so, I think we possibly hurt ourselves more than we think. And I can tell you, farmers, that if we become and, and not even Argentina. Inflation-wise, if we just become a country where the goods are priced in other currencies and other markets than in our markets and in our currency, we're going to have to not only watch what the price of the commodities are, we're going to have to watch what the price of the money exchanging is going to be. I mean, we got to look at the value of the dollar now. We know a strong dollar can hurt exports and everything else. But I'm talking literally 
where we're going to have to do the conversion in our head to say, yeah, you know, 10 brick dollars is really $5.50 for a bushel of wheat or whatever, whatever the conversion is. And that is a game changer for United States agriculture. And I know they're going to say, well, we got the biggest trading platforms and we got, there's a lot of money in a lot of other places. I mean, what's stopping the United Arab Emirates or Dubai or whatever, gutter, from putting a big commodity exchange up there and welcoming all currencies and all monies from all people from all over and they people start hedging the risk off there. And you know what? If they do it with oil, everything else will follow because oil's the big, oil, gold, and silver's the big, big, big trading commodity markets. I know you got the stock markets, you got the options on stocks, you got that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still an energy world. Well, I think we killed this horse enough. We've kind of went off the rails from politics to presidentials to everything else. Um, wow. Yeah. An hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, and 1984 by George Orwell, Stalin's War by Sean McKinley, and um, look up Joe Rogan, uh, uh, Alex Jones, and Joey Diaz for an hour long video and enjoy yourself. And make sure that that your significant other is not in the vehicle who doesn't with have you. dark humor. <laughs> doesn't like dark humor. If you want it, like another thing I'd like to go on this podcast and explain is all the South Park. Quotes and things. Yes, yeah. I love the Buckle bank. up, buckaroos. <laughs> I, I love, I love South Park. I know I'm going to hell for watching South Park. I know that we'll be forgiven. I, I hope for uh, yes, but the banking one where they deposit the money and it's gone is so is so. I, we were dealing with one of the kids IRAs that they got at a job working and trying. The the thing was they were paying four tenths of a percent interest and the fees were more than what they got in the money. So I'm like, well, let's get the let's get it out of there. And trying to get the money out of this regional bank that's not in our state. And then once we finally got it done, they charged a thirty dollar closing fee and a ten dollar check fee. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but. Let's quote Cartman on the end. Four-point plan, start up, cash in, sell out, and bro down. That is the South Park way of making money. And I, I tell you what, a lot of us in agriculture, we're not planning on selling out because our family's been here forever and we got all this stuff and we're married to it. And, and well, that's the way we've always done it and, and other things like that. And my guess, my biggest business advice off of this is the world is changing. The world's changing quick, and you may want to be thinking about what you're doing. Is that is that how you're always going to be doing it? Where you're going to be doing it? How you, how where you're at? And you know, we we did. We're serious about these two books, uh, 1984 and Stalin's War, or will will change your worldview on some things. And, you go, huh? Yeah. And, Why did I wasn't told about this? And if you're not watching Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson. And Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk. We're going to throw Charlie Kirk in there. Uh, if you're not listening to some of these influencers that have a lot of influence, because let's face it, I know, I know some of the, I know we're going to have some, some, some liberal farmers out there that are going to say, well, you're all on one side, but the vast majority of commercial production agriculture are pretty doggone conservative people. 
And so who are the movers and shakers that are just determining that conservative policy? You may want to be thinking about influencing them. Well, hey, with that, you guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, are the smartest audience in agriculture. It's been a pleasure to do this with you. We'll get back to doing some more. I'm, go I'm going to run one on the drought and some of the programs and everything going on and, you know, shallow loss disaster and everything else before uh, very long. But appreciate it very much. I appreciate Theo coming on. Comment if you never want me on again or more. Yeah, if you want Theo on or not, you know. And, and Theo, Theo's worked in the trenches. He's walked door-to-door -door politics. He's driven. He's I've walked my 3,000 doors, maybe more. Yeah, and I know I don't want to get really into politics. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 the retail door to door stuff is, is. I mean, I'm in politics, but I'm like, yeah, I like my local stuff for now. Yes, and we got enough local stuff going on to keep <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep you busy for you know you always you always love it when the courthouse is paid in place. I mean, you just you, you can't. It just doesn't get any better than that when it's all local. Why look for problems outside your state when you just look at your township? Yeah, your township or your or county. Not all states have townships, but you're like your county. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, with that, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back with some more quickly. Buckle up, buckaroos.